Greater Than Zero Percent is a 501c3 nonprofit that's on a mission to share stories of organizations from around the world that are changing lives. We have weekly episodes featuring amazing nonprofits and monthly episodes interviewing top business executives. You can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Alrighty, thanks everybody for tuning into this episode. Today we have Anthony Marinos, who's the Director of Business Development and Partnerships at Charity Water. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Joseph. This is great. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. So uh, as always, we like to hear a little bit mission statement of the organizations we interview first. So what is the mission of Charity Water? Yeah, I mean, we kind of hit our name right on the nose, as you might guess. We are a charity that brings water <laughs> to communities around the world. But our, our main mission truly is to bring clean water to every person on the planet. Uh, and it's something we feel like we can achieve in our in our lifetime. Um, and uh, yeah, it's worth touching on like even how we're uniquely structured, where 100% of all of our public donations go directly to the field. Uh, and the way that we're able to do that is we have a group of private donors who we've lovingly dubbed the well, uh, because we love water puns at Charity Water. <laughs> and the well is now about 130, 135 individuals, families, and even some companies. And they fund our operational expenses, like yeah. our salaries, flights, laptops, they cover those costs, even credit card fees on the website, so that 100% of everything we raise public, publicly goes directly to bringing clean water to people. Um, that's very much related to our transparency and proof as well. If you go on our website, you'd see a map that shows all of the projects we've ever funded. And you know we prove every project with photos GPS coordinates and the exact number of community members per project. Mm -hmm. we, we think that's really important. That's been something from day one that we wanted to make sure we can help connect our mission to, to the donors because it's oftentimes quite a foreign concept. So many of our donors are in the US and in Europe and yeah. this is not a problem that they face on a daily basis. So we, we, you know, from the beginning, we wanted to make sure there's that direct transparency into where the money's going. Right. And then another, um, you know, thing that's worth mentioning is just our brand in general is focused on hope and optimism and a brighter future. A lot of nonprofits focus on gloom and doom and shame and guilt. You know, the, the ASPCA ads, I love the ASPCA. They, they do great work. Um, but having, you know, having the ads where it's the Sarah McLaughlin song and the dogs and cats <laughs> crying. Yes. Uh, that's a bit of a different angle. You know, Charity yeah. Water tends to focus on on all the positives. Um, and so we we empower our donors and have them excited about seeing a world in which um, this water crisis ceases to exist as we know it. So. All right. Well, we'll get into that because I have a lot of questions. But before we do, why you? There are a lot of different ways to try to reach people. We just really choose to focus on the optimistic side, the, the yep. empowerment side. You know, I guess the, the best example of that is that when we started the organization, there were 1.1 billion people who lacked access to clean water. Now, wow. in just under 17 years, it's 703 million, which is still a huge number. 
but that means about 400 million people got access to clean water in like a decade and a half. So wow. Wow. when you say, when you think about it that way, it's like, whoa, this is something we actually can solve. It's not, yeah. it's not this, it's not this kind of dark cloud that will hang over humanity forever. It's like, no, actually we could see this end in our lifetimes. So, yep. Wow. Well, I want to get into the details of that, but before we do, why you, why is this something that you've decided to pursue? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, my background is in the for-profit world. Like I, I worked for a lot of startups, most notably Zipcar when it was fairly new still. And all of my positions have been in marketing, sales, customer acquisition, business development. Um, I, I realized, I, I don't think I even, I never really thought about this until I saw the job description for my current role. Um, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't sure if I wanted to work for a nonprofit. I knew I wanted to do something in the social impact space. And I came across this charity water position and the description really spoke to me. And it, it talked about in the business development role, like working with all these different um, partners, corporate partners, businesses, to generate revenue and awareness for the brand and it'd be developing these partnerships from scratch. And when I graduated college, I had wanted to work at a creative agency. I thought that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And I loved the idea of being able to work for different work with different brands that I knew that I loved that I was learning about and pitching their product and coming up with creative ways to do that. And so when I saw this job description, it was almost a full circle moment for me where I was like, wow, like this, this is wild. Like it's kind of exactly what I wanted to do years ago. Yeah. And now it's not selling products, it's selling clean water access. So the best, kind of the best of both worlds. So when I saw that position, I, I jumped on it. I joke that I must have just gotten lucky. I slipped through the cracks, I guess. I think we might have been, <laughs> I think we must have been desperate, you know, uh, and because I had no, I had no nonprofit experience previously, but my sales, my sales and marketing skills, all those roles previously translated very well to this job. And that was six and a half years ago. And I haven't looked back, not once. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been amazing. It's the best organization I've ever worked at, I think it will ultimately at the end of my career, no matter what happens, be the best place I ever worked, period. Yeah. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's saying a lot too. Thank you for sharing that, that origin story. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening and, and, and if they're feeling like they're not like a hundred percent happy with where they're at, it's cool to hear a story like yours of, of the kind of shift from the startup atmosphere, corporate side to the nonprofit side. Um, so great. So one thing I want to start getting to some of the comments you mentioned, you said uh, the 100% the model, and you did a good example of explaining that. Uh, why is that a model that that charity water thinks is important? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we're sometimes people are concerned uh, across the, the, the sector that it's like a demonization of ops, so to speak, then mm. we're trying to make it sound like any funding towards operations is bad, which is not the case. The right. reason that we're structured this way, and I think really a lot of nonprofits would agree with this, is that people don't trust charities still. 
So especially when Scott, our founder, started the organization, he was reading and learning all these statistics and seeing that people just did not have faith in the organizations they were supporting. And these were like big organizations. They also felt like there was a disconnect. They didn't know where the money was going. And it made them hesitant to want to contribute. And so for Scott, I think being someone who was coming from he also, you know, his origin story as well. He was a club promoter that then became, yeah. you know, the CEO of Charity Water. And he knew he needed to build people's trust early. And he wanted to combat that kind of negative sentiment yeah. or feeling about the sector as a whole. And so he felt like the cleanest way to do it would be to have two accounts. Like you're either giving to water or you're giving to ops. And like we're making yep. that crystal clear for you. That's awesome. um, and, and then over yeah. time, that's what grew into, you know, it was a little touch and go for a while. Like it was kind of hard to get people to give to ops when you had this really appealing model of like, just fund water. Like we won't take anything from your donation out. And then that led to um, some major donors stepping up and like creating the well program. Uh, right. And it's, right. that's been our, that's been the, the kind of an anchor or core piece of who we are ever since. Yeah. Yeah. We've interviewed probably 140 or so nonprofits to this point. And, and so, some of the nonprofits that we've interviewed that uh, that have programming or uh, funds that go towards like digging wells, for example, for for um, countries that are very, very low income, impoverished. And, and um, we, we haven't interviewed any of the major ones that participate in that area, but they did mention the ones that we've interviewed that a dollar goes a lot longer, goes a lot further uh, via their organization to build a well versus some of the, the very large, you know, <laughs> big cogs and wheels sure. where it costs 10x, 100x to dig a well just because there's so much th that goes into it versus organizations that are boots on the ground with the communities yeah. that know exactly the people, the, the people that are going to be building it, the communities that it's going to be serving. So it's a little bit different. Um, so, so I could see that as well, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's kind of the, the world we live in it's, <laughs> at this point. Yeah it's, yeah, it's interesting too, what you touched on about the boots on the ground. That's a very unique element of our programmatic approach, which is that we raise all these funds publicly and then we invest them in local NGOs or local chapters of global NGOs within the countries where we work. And that's something right. that we've been doing from the beginning as well. I think Scott recognized very early on where he's like, well, I'm not like our team isn't going to be going out and drilling wells in rural Ethiopia and rural Uganda. Right. Like that would be totally a disservice, not only to the communities we're trying to help because we're, we're not the, the full experts in that. It's like, we need those implementing partners who know the communities, they know that they have strong connections with the government in terms of being able to do the, that important vital work. Right. Uh, they speak the language. They maybe grew up in some of the areas where water access was a problem for them as a child. And so we've seen this model. We've leaned on that a lot and seen it grow quite dramatically from the beginning. We now have 55 local partners that we've worked with across the 29 countries that we've historically been in. Um, and that's, that's been huge for us. Like that's, that's a, yeah. that's the, that's kind of the best way to be as efficient and effective to your point 
with yep. donor dollars. Right. And, and then the transparency importance that you have on, on your model is, is that similar reasoning for why a hundred percent of the donations, like yeah. people want to know where their dollar goes, you know, how many gallons of water of fresh water it's produced for community or, or what percent of a well has their donation. Cre- yeah, I'm not sure how, how you guys measure it, yeah. but yeah, we do. Like yeah, like yeah. we really have that direct reporting where we're showing people exactly where the money went. Here are the communities that helped. Here are pictures of the projects. And we do that for donors and supporters that are even giving a small amount. So even if yeah. when you fundraise for us, even when you think you didn't do a great job, like sometimes people are bummed out. They're like, ah, I only raised a hundred dollars. And it's like, well, first of all, all of that money went to water. And second mm-hmm. of all, in about a year and a half to two years, you're going to wind up with a little completion report that shows, hey, that hundred dollars, like we allocated that towards these projects. Like this was part of it. You know, you yeah. weren't the sole funder of it, of course, but you were a big part of helping make that happen. And, and you're exactly right. Like we really have done that to combat that fear of what, you know, where the money's going and, and the distrust, yeah. but also that connection to the mission. Like we don't have any, we don't have like a, a Habitat for Humanity model or some of those b- larger volunteer opportunities where people can go and see it. We're not, we're not doing that. Like that's not what, what we're focused on. And we're very mindful too of protecting the communities and not, yep. not making it uh, something inappropriate in that way of, of like voyeurism, so to speak. So instead we focus on making sure they have that strong connection to the to the mission by seeing exactly what what's happening right wow. uh i, I want to go back to the comment you meant about the global numbers of um of clean water access you, you said it's it, it has decreased from you said 1.3 billion it was 1.1 it was 1.1 billion yep. And yep. now the the latest numbers came out recently. It just dropped down again. It was at seven seven hundred and seventy one million for really mm-hmm. like the last year and change. It now was reduced again to seven hundred and three million. And this is for people who lack basic access. So yep. there's nothing, and that's why we focus on rural, remote regions because those are the communities that are the most vulnerable, where they're often having to journey. Uh, hours sometimes a day to collect water. And ultimately that's water that's making them sick. It's not even a clean source. So that is the number that the UN, and this is coming from like the UN and world health organizations about like, this is, this is the number we're trying to change where if we can get that down to zero, then you start to evolve it. Like, well, how do these water systems improve? Like how do you build local municipalities? you know, local municipal systems that become similar to small towns that we'd be more familiar with. And there are taps right. and homes and things like that. But basic access, it's 703 million that we're still like, that is what we're looking to achieve, um, you know, bringing that down to zero. So, and then how uh, charity waters contribution to that, is that measurable to at this point? It is. Yeah. Well, it's funny you should ask. We also have some <laughs> some good numbers recently. We're now, so we're celebrating our 17th birthday uh, wow. in, a, in a, 
a couple weeks. It's September 7th. And so that, um, you know, that will, that's a big milestone for us. But in that time, we've now raised about somewhere between like 750 and 800 million that we've raised for water and ops over that time. And that has helped us now fund over 137,000 water projects across 29 countries. And that's Mm. bringing clean water to 17.4 million people. So we're 17.4 million. That's huge. We're so, yeah, it's huge. And like, it's wild to see the growth that we've had, even in this time I've been here. So Mm. when I started at the organization, we, we had our biggest year ever. Uh, We raised 50 million that year in 2017. And we were hovering around like 7 million people with clean water access. Now, you know, six and a half years later, we've, we've, we're raising about a hundred million a year and we've net, we're now punching up towards 20 million people served. Um, I remember when we celebrated the 10 million milestone and now we're already like, oh my gosh, we're, we're within the next, (laughs) really it's within the next year or two, we could be about 20 million people with access to clean water just from the charity water community alone. Jeez. Wow. What do you think has contributed? Obviously, there's many things, but what are the top few things that have contributed to the success of the growth, the scale, the impact? I think a lot of it does have to do with our model, uh, the kind of fresh approach that we take to the charity world. It's also something where we've we've tried to embrace newer ideas and newer technology and how we market our mission. So very early on, Scott and the team were very focused on on embracing different forms of social media or new yep. new tools and ideas that for profits were were using and using effectively. Mm-hmm. And so we did have some really fun milestones and achievements early on of like we were the first charity to really use Instagram. We were the first charity to reach a million followers on Twitter or excuse me X uh but yes. but we were <laughs> but we were we've like embraced we try to embrace those new forms of communication because we do think that younger people especially now more than ever want to be engaged in in these causes they they have the the creativity the ability in some cases the means even to have a direct impact through fundraising that they they do or even their own contributions i think you know this generation now is more generous than any generation before and it'll continue i think to happen that way like we just continue to get more uh, more and more focused on the right things um and generosity is a big part of that so I think focusing on people at younger stages of life, earlier stages of life has been huge. I also think the cause itself, it is not controversial in any shape or form. There's no argument that could be made against what we're doing. <laughs> the I mean, need for clean water. Clean yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, people could argue it. I wouldn't want to hang out with that person. I wouldn't want to be around <laughs> that person, you know? to each his own, I guess. But yeah, yeah. but the, that idea about access to clean water, it is a universal human right. Uh, everyone on earth, it feels, can agree to this and they, they want to help. So I think that's what's been, Scott often will me- reference this and talk about this, that like, 
it's it's a great unifier in that way that you can have yeah. you can have supporters from all different walks of life, different political affiliations, different parts of the world, like people who just could not be more different in their everyday lives agreeing yeah. on something like water. And I think there are a bunch of causes like that, you know, hunger, um, I think shelter, the basic needs, of course. Um, and then everyone, anything related to children and education, like there are a lot of causes like that in the world that I think um, everyone really agrees on. I also think there are a bunch of causes in the world that people should not be divided on, but that's a different, <laughs> yeah, that's a totally yeah. different topic. You know, it, it, uh, you would like to think there'd be more unity in that way, but, but water is certainly, we yeah. feel good about that for sure. And that's helped in a huge way. I I think the only uh, potential contentious response that I've heard in this sector, even in this specific area of water is, uh, why don't you focus on our country first before going to mm -hmm. a different country's clean water? Is that something that, that Chris or your organization has been asked frequently at all, or does it not come up much? Or is, is it the obvious response? Well, there's a much higher need in these areas and there's a potential to affect millions versus a much lesser population. I wonder what, what a, a typical response to that it, would be. It's such a good question. And honestly, like we, we're often thinking about it because we, we know that there are issues that come up even at home. So the number one issue people would bring up to us uh, earlier on too was Flint, of course, like right, right. big in the, all over the news, you know, something that felt so close to home could have been any, any town, in the US and everyone's disappointment in that and focus on that, it was justified. Like we, we totally agree. I think the main difference is when there is an issue like that in a place like Flint, those communities can get water and their children and their families and their, they won't get sick. They won't, they won't suffer from uh, different illnesses that could result in dehydration and then death. Like yep. there was an issue with lead in the water and contaminating it and Legionnaire's disease and people getting ill. And that was horrible, but that's like a gigantic infrastructure problem that right. costs hundreds of millions of dollars to fix <laughs> that the government, right. you know, honestly, it's like the governments need to be better about that. And like, that was just a total absurd thing that happened, very poor management, poor decision-making. They were trying to save money, the local government, like switching the, switching the water source to the different pipes and using old pipes that were not made for yeah. that. And the acidity, it was the pH levels in mm. the water that eroded the lead because it was a different uh, pH level. Yeah. yeah. So when you look at that issue, it's like, well, we're, we have to make a choice. Like, if we're going to have the biggest impact possible and try to help the most people, it's the rural remote communities in the most water stressed countries in the world, which is they're all in it's sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast yeah. Asia, you know, anyone countries like Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Madagascar, Rwanda, you know, Ethiopia, Uganda, I mentioned before in Asia, it's India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Cambodia, uh, Lao, Nepal, like all these places where you have these communities that are just far removed from any large municipal system and the way they're collecting water is totally different 
than yeah. what we're used to here. The, the only ones at home that would be closely related to like what we're solving for is there are, there are about, I don't know if this number went down, but there were about 2 million people in the US who lacked basic access. And those mm. people were all on Native American reservations. Okay. So it's like, which is a whole nother ridiculous topic yeah. of like, how is this possible that we would allow that to happen? But there yeah. are yeah. there are some great other organizations that focus like almost exclusively on that. One of them being Dig Deep, yep. who's a really great, uh, they're a great organization here in the US that that's their sole focus. So when we get that, okay. we usually, we talk about how much we value their input on this and that we agree no one on earth should lack access to clean water. We've yep. just had to make the decision to focus solely on really the most vulnerable populations and where we can have the biggest, biggest impact. Yeah. Um, um, so we never say never, a... you know, there might be situations <laughs> where given, given climate change and how things are different. It's like you could wind up in a situation where California is a place where people need water access and we need to go back to kind of bare, kind of bare bones uh, plans in some communities. But as it stands right now, our focus is right. purely international. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for that explanation. Uh, the future, Charity Water. What is the future look like? What does it look like? Um, what are some of the upcoming plans that you all have? Yeah, I mean, it, the future is bright, that's for sure. We certainly talk <laughs> a lot about how the best is yet to come. And I think that's really tied to what I mentioned earlier about how we really believe that this problem will be solved in our lifetime. So I think zeroing in on that goal is is purely our focus of how can we see this cease to exist, at least as it, as it stands, that basic access right. premise. So when we look ahead, it's 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 really rooted in some rapid growth. Like we're thrilled to be at the position we're at now, raising around a hundred million a year, bringing clean water to you know two in some cases two and a half million people a year. Really trying to uh, grow that. So we want to see that go up to, you know, how do we make it two hundred million a year, three hundred million a year? How do we help? 5 million, 7 million people in a single year. You know, there are some huge aspirational goals from Scott and our executive team around, you know, being, taking, taking a huge chunk of the remaining people who lack access. Like, how do we, how do we wind up in a place where we impact 70 million people? Yeah. A hundred million people, you know, is that even possible? Well, it's certainly something that we're going to go for because we feel like we, we have the ability, we have an incredible donor community. We have that opportunity before us of taking a huge chunk of it. Um, and another really cool thing that we've been focusing on is that idea of people making long-term commitments, people, families, family foundations and companies of drawing a line in the sand and saying, we want to sign up to bring clean water to a million people just from yeah. our, our family, something like wow. that. So that's been a big pitch of ours now is this idea of a million lives. How can mm -hmm. you as a company, how can you as a, as a family foundation sign up and commit to this over time, knowing that it's going to take, you know, it can take 10 years or 15 years or something like that. But having people look at the big picture 
and think yeah. about that legacy they can have. So that's a, you know, that to me is a, is a really big part of the future and also new products and approaches that we're, we're adding in, you know, just, um, on the legacy giving side, getting, we've been taking a, a more strategic approach to that, getting more and more people signed on to want to donate to us, um, you know, posthumously donating portions of their estate or, uh, you know, committing to things in their in their will, something that we weren't really doing a lot of, and, yeah. And that's yeah. that's proving to be really, you know, really impactful. There are a lot of people that are interested in that, and they see that as an opportunity. Um, you know, when when they're no longer here, so I think the the bigger we get, there's going to be more of those essentially folding in some of those traditional elements of fundraising that we haven't done before, but making them charity water esque, like our own yep. take on them. Wow. Wow. People that are listening and are inspired and want to get engaged. What type of engagement do you look for? It sounds like you, you've highlighted a few of them. You're, you're, yeah. you're painting the big picture of, of getting foundations and companies to impact a million people themselves, um, other folks outside of that target, how could they get engaged For and sure. involved? So there are so many different ways, you know, first and foremost, if you don't have the money to support us, spreading awareness about our mission is a huge deal. I yeah. think a lot yeah. of nonprofits are, have been great about mentioning this to, to supporters who are potentially not in a financial position to support, telling a friend, telling a neighbor, your family, Posting about us on social if you saw a piece of content that you really liked, that's very helpful. Like that's yeah. that's how we that's how we're able to reach the audiences that we do. So any of those referrals are great. If you are able to contribute, going onto our website charitywater.org and signing up uh, to create a profile and become a member of the Spring, which is our monthly giving program. So the Spring you can join for as low as $10 a month, it might even be lower now, but you can you can just sign up and have this subscription for good, ultimately, where each month your dollars are going towards clean water. And you know, your your 100% of your gift is helping uh, provide clean water to people in need. So the spring is great. And there are about 70,000 people in the spring right now. So the more the merrier, I think uh, that's a great way to get involved. Having a fundraiser for us is always, always huge. Like creating a fundraiser just for your community with a goal in mind. Um, that's, that's very helpful. You know, you're tapping into your network to both spread awareness and raise funds for us. Uh, you know, that's a big deal. And then it's thinking about other people, you know, or the company where you work or the company that you own or run. There are different ways to get get involved like brands are that's what i do so you can always reach out to me directly and yep. anthony yep. at charitywater.org um, if you have a company and you want to get involved um, but then on the on the like key relationship side which is the individual donor side if you're listening and you and your family like you you have a family foundation or you have big aspirations we'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to fund and sponsor water projects uh, right. and so on average, across our charity water portfolio, a water project costs $10,000 to bring clean mm -hmm. water to an entire community. And it's about $40 to bring clean water to one person. So when you're wow. thinking about 
how you might be able to help. You know, if you have the means, funding a project is incredible, but $40, it's really not that much, you know, like, and to have that impact, to be able to bring clean water to a person is, is quite meaningful. So wow. lots of ways to wow. get involved. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think we, we covered all the main points that I wanted to cover. Is there anything that we didn't want to cover or you want to share before we wrap up and, and we'll share all the links to, to the social media and, and websites in the show notes here as well. Yeah. But just want to make sure we captured everything before, before we wrap it up. It's I know this was great. I, I think that was really everything that we tend to cover when we're, we're giving an intro to charity water and ex explaining what we do. I think for anyone listening, if you have a creative idea or a concept that you'd want to pitch us and you think there's something new that we should be trying we're all ears. So that's the other thing is you can always just reach out to us. We have an incredible supporter experience team. So if you go to our website, you can you fill out the contact form um, or even our partnerships page, charitywater.org slash partnerships. If you have a company idea or a brand engagement idea, that that's the, that's the other piece I should have mentioned before is like even just coming to us with cool, different ideas that would generate awareness and revenue for us where you're maybe not even the one in control of that, but you just wanted to get the idea in front of us, hugely helpful. Uh, yep. We're, yep. we're, you know, it's going to take a, a huge effort. It's not just us doing this. There are a lot of great water NGOs, a lot of governments that have big commitments uh, and technology advancements have really helped us get to this position now. Um, and that's, what's going to help us take it home and see this problem cease to exist. So any and all help, you can provide we'd be we'd be really open to amazing well anthony thank you so much for your time and sharing the work that that you are doing at charity water um I, I don't think i realize how massive of an impact you all are having uh going into this so this is truly amazing to see raising 100 million a year and, and impacting millions of lives with with fresh water and clean clean water is is huge so thank you so much for your time anthony yeah. and, and sharing what you're doing and in the organization Thank you so much, Joseph. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Thanks for listening to Greater Than Zero Percent. To find more episodes or to have your organization featured on the podcast, you can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Find your cause with Greater Than Zero Percent.